1: Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. And I know that you can't see their faces because they are your favorite anonymous burners on UConn Twitter, yes. It is Mr. Hotballs and Hurley Mania. I got them both here. We are talking about UConn basketball. We're talking about whether or not we're going to go back to back, and we're going to talk about a new venture that these two gentlemen have found a way to put together. I know, as crazy as it sounds, the two knuckleheads that do spaces until 2.30 in the morning after every single game have found a way to uh, be moderately successful in their uh, their their daily lives, I guess is a way to phrase it. So, gentlemen, how are we doing? Hurley Mania, Mr. Hotballs. Good to see you guys.
2: Thanks yeah, for I- having me, Rob. It's great to be here, Rob. It's just really nice to finally sell out. (laughs) We're like, are
3: you really selling out? Look, we're selling out. We're on your show, dude.
1: (laughs) Yes. All right. So talk to me about why you're here. Talk to me about what you're doing. Talk to me about the spaces. Talk to me about the podcast. Talk to me about everything. You guys have this new business plan, how you're going to disrupt everything that happens on on, on major media, right? Take it ESPN down.
2: We we are literally doing the uh prestige worldwide pitch meeting, but it, but in real life, uh, I'll let uh, Hotballs can speak more to it than uh, I can. No, I, can. I mean, everybody was like, hey, you know, you got a nice
3: audience, and well, what, what should, should we tell them the brief story of it? Um, obviously, started this a couple of years ago, just hopping on. Being yeah, a- I was gonna
1: say, I want the origin story of the of yeah. uh, of spaces. How did this come about?
3: Yeah, so you know, we we started this, I guess, a couple of years ago, just as a couple of goons that uh, wanted to talk about the game and play out around with some new technology on the tweeting machine, and um, it just sort of caught on. I don't know, I don't know if there's any like real grand strategy behind it, but the way the tool works, you can use it like a sports talk radio show, and so that's what we kind of did on the fly, and um, you know, went from a couple hundred. Uh, to a couple thousand, you know, and now we're doing in the five digits in terms of listens, and it's been wild to kind of watch the whole thing grow. I mean, you know, some of the people that end up spending time in there is wild, including you, Rob. Uh, and some of the times that people uh, spend time in there is also wild. But uh, it's been fun to kind of grow along with it, mature the show, and this has been kind of the next step. So. You know, uh, trying to kind of take things to the next level, give uh, our listeners a a better overall experience. Kind of irony behind all of this is uh, Hurley Mania and mine's primary background out of school, which is overrated, but out of school uh, was sports journalism for both of us. And uh, here we are much later in life, uh, kind of meandering through the woods and we're back where we started and uh have something hot that's hot have something that's fun and uh can't wait to share what we've got coming up here in uh march
1: i, I yeah. do like how you said you you let the show mature that's uh i don't know if that's the necessarily the word that i would use to talk about no, you got this, to right, right. this is
2: it maturing if you can believe it <laughs> um uh, you know what also plays a role in this is that the the passion for the fan base is still there um While you may have abandoned them in the AAC years, Rob, some of us were still going to 9 p.m. Sunday night games against Tulsa because we truly had nothing better to do. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, the passion's still there. But also, the elephant in the room, it helps that the team's not 18 and 11 fighting for a five seed. Like, we start doing it, and then last year they decided they're just never going to lose a non-conference game unless the building's 7,000 degrees and Cam Spencer can't walk and Steph Castle can't play. So it's been passion of the fans obviously the team being awesome and also the unfortunate state you know when i grew up you know there were sports talk on wtic every night for it was really like an amazing show i entered there it was actually about a 12 minute show that they fit into an hour of ads and news and weather but you know now, now that's gone and folks are just as passionate as ever about the team especially when it's this good and uh, I'm appreciative to everyone that listens that we are apparently an outlet and a way to bring them in and take on callers to talk about this awesome team. So it's it's been a timing thing and we've been fortunate and uh, people seem to like it, Rob. And now we've got the folks at Autograph on board. Appreciate our sponsors, them, the Feel Good Labs uh, mm-hmm. coming on board and we'll see where this goes. We're just really excited for it and also excited it's the best time of the year too.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I know you guys have talked about this at length before um, and it's something where uh, it's part of the reason why the field of 68 has been able to work is you see all these major major media corporations kind of divest themselves uh, of the sport of college basketball. And and at least my theory is I don't know how you guys feel about it, is that the the passion of the fan bases is, is it's kind of I don't want to say it's diluted, but it's spread out. Right. Whereas in football, there's basically what, like 12 10 to 12 fan bases that you really need to be able to cater to in college football that really, really matter. The Alabamas, the Georgias, the Notre Dames teams at that level. Right. Whereas in college basketball, there are 70 to 80 high major teams that have really passionate fans, but it's not like you can do one story or one highlight or one thing on one team and be able to get the same numbers that you would if you did the same thing on, let's just say Alabama. So um i can understand why if you don't want to just talk about duke and their best player over and over and over again it might get a little tiresome for some of these uh major media networks on what they're going to focus on so i do appreciate the effort that you guys and i think i've told you this but the effort that you guys have put in to help grow something for a fan base that is passionate and the other cool thing is to see other other programs and other fans in the biggies kind of like start doing the same thing you know i'll i'll be opening up twitter at uh at at midnight on like a wednesday and i'll see like this is our reaction spaces for this fan base and there's the kansas state one going on over here and there's this one going on over here so um i'm not going to call you guys trendsetters because i will never give you the credit uh for that but it's been nice to see you be able to carve out this niche because college basketball needs it man there's so many passionate fans and so many people love this stupid sport
2: yeah and we to to be fair there are folks that have helped us like as much as we just like Villain over Marquette, but like full 40 Chris and Ways Done has been tremendously mm-hmm. helpful. Roll Blob guys at Xavier, uh, the the Paint Touches guys at Marquette. I'm just trying to think of initial, a few folks. But yeah, it's, you're if you're over serving a smaller audience, I know this is brought, like if you're listening to Top Doctor, like why are they talking about this? But we're just here to serve UConn fans, talk about UConn, because if you've come to us, you've probably gone through every channel on TV and everything on the internet, and you're just sick about reading about Cal Fulpowski and Court Stormings. And expanding the tournament or not, and we talk about those things on our show, but we lead with the UConn basketball game you just watched that you want to talk about. So that's why I think we found an audience as much as being complete complete weirdos, absolute <laughs> weirdos. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing is
3: too, you know, and and both of you guys talked about this, um, you know, where the, where the terrestrial media got hit the hardest was locally, you know, and you know back in the day we had the TIC show. You know, women's games were on CPTV and they would do a show every week about the team. You know, WFSB or some of the local, you know, uh, television stations would do, you know, periodic specials here and there. This doesn't exist anymore. You have the number one team in college basketball, the reigning national champions, uh, you know, uh, head coach who's probably the hottest name in the sport right now, who also happens to be like a one man crazy factory in all the best ways. And, you know, it's really entertaining, aesthetically pleasing college basketball going on right in our backyard without any pro team competition. And nobody's talking about it and yeah, where people are writing about it, you know? So I think, you know, just in a weird way, we've kind of backed into the space where we're able to, you know, serve a pretty big fan base in our own backyard and a lot of the big East, you know, uh fan bases have tethered themselves to our show a little bit and there's much characters in this whole thing um as we are. So, I think it, it proves a point, right, that there's still a market for folks out there, but the way and manner in which, you know, folks have to chop wood to get their college basketball content now has just changed very drastically, and I'm, we're pretty flattered that we've kind of backed our way into being able to serve that need.
2: Yeah, the the thing that always gets me, when I, when I actually drive into work, I primarily work from home, but when I go to work, I get on to 84, and it's right next to the Hartford Current Building, which is empty because they've to that place so bad they sold the building out and the building's just standing there empty and that is like the main news source in the state of Connecticut and it's just an empty building now and it's in a weird way it's motivating because like it's not like the fan base is left or the passion is left so anything we can do to help that when you know the folks at The Current and a lot of the other local media outlets just have no shot because they've just had their legs chopped off from under them any help we can provide be, for the team that we all love it, it's been awesome and and uh I appreciate it. It's it's I feel like a responsibility with it. It's weird, but I, somehow it it's the the uh the sort of fate has landed on the two dumbest people you will ever meet on the internet.
1: But <laughs> come on, man, you're not the dumbest people. I've met a lot of dumb people on the internet. You're not you you are de- well, Hurley Mania definitely is a hotball that's still uh left to be seen. We uh, his... yeah, other than
2: other than Jeff Goodman, fine. Right,
1: Jeff. <laughs> Look, only one person on this call right now has had their plumber's crack shown on national television. So we, uh, we can... <laughs> yeah, that was we can the go. moment
2: I think Robert really blew up when we had a super slow mo of uh, Bill Raftery recapping my co-host showing his ass on national television. <laughs> yeah. That was the moment when this this went to a a, a new place. One shining moment, as they say.
1: Oh yes. Um all right, who is the who's the craziest person, like the biggest name, the most famous person, one person where you're sitting here like I can't believe that this dude is sitting here or this woman or this person or this uh former player is sitting here in our spaces listening us to talk, listening us talk about whatever the hell we're talking about right now.
3: My favorite moments are when I like just sort of will casually dig through um the listeners just to kind of see who's in there cuz I don't really pay a ton of attention unless they're kind of in that queue. Um, and I'll scroll down and there's Travis Knight. Or like I'll scroll down and like some random player that played on the team, Kent He's hanging out in there at 2 30 in the morning. Um, those are the ones that just kind of always get me like that blows that blows my mind, you know. Because I mean I remember going to Jim Calhoun basketball camps in the early 90s, and Travis was one of my coaches. Like, talk about one of those like full circle, yeah.
1: Travis talk Knight about basketball those, camp right there.
3: Yeah, I probably dunked on your face there. <laughs> but uh it's just, those are the ones that are kind of most surreal because those are such like vivid memory captures from my childhood but we've had uh the majority leader from the state house hanging out in the spaces we've had United States senators uh the thought, athletic that's director that's terrifying
1: to me that is honestly yeah, terrifying yeah that was my People... The people that are going to control the next step of our government and the next step of this country are sitting yeah. there listening to you guys That's and being one. indoctrinated with your bullshit. Yeah,
3: the best part is when they pop off about college basketball, I'm like, yes, you got the talking points. Let's go. <laughs> so
4: it's
3: uh, it's wild, though. But, I mean, we've seen some some crazy, crazy folks in there. And we even get some folks that call in. And um, it's it's been wild to kind of watch the whole thing go.
2: Yeah, and no disrespect to you, Ram. What you guys do, because I love. I mean, Fanta is one. Fanta's interact with us. He's been great. But also, like after the North Carolina game, we were doing a, we we're doing the space on the upper west side at like one in the morning, and like basement. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a good personal friend, Curry Hicksage's Basement. And then like two of the CBS guys jump in, yeah. and I'm I'm like you're in our show. I mean, you go nuts, but I'm, it was kind of a through the looking glass thing, but yeah, it, it's been, it, the best is that it's never like Rip Hamilton. It's all, I love that it's like Travis Knight or Kenton yeah. Facey. It's like the cult hero guys who are in there and it's just a way to bring a community together in a very weird place, but it works.
1: That's a, that's a, that's a great segue. Cause I did have this written now. I wanted to ask you guys, your favorite, Not your favorite UConn player ever, your favorite random UConn player ever. The the, the guy that you are like, I don't know why he will forever be seared in my memory, but he is forever
0: seared in my memory. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
5: A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all,
3: it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
2: Well, I'll be clear, this is my favorite, but one one to me is, uh, this is a wild one, Sammy Amazion. A walk-on on on the 05 team, who's French, who becomes a successful French stand-up comic, who played in, like, several Like, he was a walk-on, but he was in that level a little above walk-on, kind of, like, so he played probably more than he should have, and it's, like, his entire career path to get to UConn. uh, What leads him to there? What leads him to stand-up comedy? I I have some questions about him. Um, that's a name that jumps out at me cause that's a weird one. I wanted to pick something unusual. Um, yeah, that, 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 I'm just impressed uh, that
1: you know that like you're, you're so into UConn hoops that you follow the walk on standup careers just to support them.
2: <laughs> well, it was such a weird time. That was also when I was at UConn, I was at UConn 02 to 06. So like, you, I feel like everybody who went there, are, you know, and I'm, I love that UConn's open to people who didn't go to UConn, like you two guys, I don't, don't judge well, a little bit. Um, but I love that. But when you're there, you like hyper focus on the entire team to an unhealthy degree. I think that's true of all fans of all college basketball teams. So that was what led me to that. I mean, Ed, Ed Nelson's another one. Seeing Ed come back a couple weeks ago, that was cool. And just yeah. being like an older dad now, and getting the questions about pickup truck. I have the whole album. I knew people. I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, I love that Ed's just a regular old dad now. I think it's awesome. Hot balls, got- you got
3: anyone? Yeah, for me. Um... Ruslan and Yakin.
2: God, I almost named him.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Ruslan and Yakin. Like, first of all, what a name, right? Uh, But a guy that just had the best participatory seat for arguably our best two, maybe three-year run um, up to now. We'll talk about that in a second. In a long time, I I just love the dude's game. He was a bruiser. He was this, we, we always had this, like, wild uh, international player, you know, whether it was a Deron Shefford or not a Um Roussan came in with a little with a little of circumstance initially. Didn't turn into one of those guys. Uh, but always a guy for some reason that just always stuck out to me. Favorite player, probably Stanley Robinson, because he was, like, watching a human and one reel uh, just over and over and over and over again. Um, but those would probably be the two that just stick out to me probably more than anybody.
1: Yeah, For me, it's Brian Fair, and it's yes. Brian Fair because he is the first UConn player I ever remember pretending to be, right? I would think I was six years old, and I had one of the basketball hoops that you stuck on, like, the metal door. We had a metal front door, and you stuck it on the metal front door with the suction cups. And I just remember there being, like, six years old in my living room, being like, Brian Fair, <laughs> That's the first one that I remember him and Daron for that, uh, that 91 92 team was the first one that I kind of fell in love with it. What was your, what was your moment when you knew that you were hooked for me? It was 96 biggies tournament, Ray Allen, the shot when he probably traveled. I think we could be honest about it now. He probably traveled. Uh, but it was the floater that bounced in and went in off the backboard and then junkyard dog missed the three layups to the other end. First biggies tournament title. I was 10 years old at the time. Um, uh, I had managed, they were down, I think 11 with three minutes left. And I managed to convince my dad to let me stay up to watch the end of the game when he thought it was already over, which turned out pretty well. That kind that was the, that seared something in my memory in that moment.
2: Yeah. For me, my, it's the same answer. It's the first Yukon game. I remember start to finish, like fully being invested in. I watched a little before then, but like the first one I was fully invested in, I remember where I was, the one of that it's, it's that game. Um, the other, the other one for me would be the the Khalid game at Pitt, where he jumps up on the scores table. I remember vividly, like where I was watching that entire game and just thinking they could come back the whole game because of how good, how great that team was, and also not really buying that Pitt team uh, when it turned out it was kind of a precursor of what was to come with Pitt, um, including screwing up at the end. Um, yeah, so for me, it's the '96 game uh, for, with Ray and the shot. That's that's the one that that always is seared in for me. I know how Paul's which one is for you. It's probably something from like 1991.
3: So I I think I was a little bit of a slower acquisition to like UConn uh, uh, obsession. Um, My first game, I want to talk about how far the program's come. Uh, A 49 to 48 loss, uh, December 29th, 1986, in the Connecticut Mutual Classic to the University of Hartford. And that was my first game. I remember dad just getting tickets for Christmas because it was a random sports team to go to. But right around that time was the height of Whaler mania. That's the one or two years where the Hartford Whalers were very good. Hartford hosted the NHL All-Star Game. And before there was always kind of that weird tension between UConn football and UConn basketball. There was weird tension between Hartford Whalers fans and UConn Huskies fans. And, um, you know, it wasn't probably really until – The NIT run in 88 that I started to go, hmm, this looks like it could be interesting. And in 1990, you couldn't help uh, but get completely caught up in that. The first season um, that I just knew I was in it for the long run um, was completely obsessed with absolutely everything that was going on was probably 1994 Um, and the infamous Dimitri Hill, Demit Hook, Sweet 16 uh, game down in Miami. Um, and I remember uh, being down in Florida at the time my grandparents used to rent a house down in Florida we used to go down there and just like lying on one of those cold Florida tile floors uh after Danielle had missed all of those all of those free throws uh, down the stretch to knock us out and what was in my perception a wide open path to the national title game I'm thinking to myself like how on earth? Could we possibly win this tournament? Um, little did I know. But that was, it was that losing moment. I think sometimes it's the torture that that sucks you in. And at that early moment in time, that's when I was on for life. And since then, it's been, you know, an absolute obsession of mine. It occupies the entirety of my November to, to April of my adult life.
2: It is amazing how somehow, despite five national championships, reigning national champions, number one seed, If you mention Mississippi State or Florida to my co-host, it's just just dramatic. It's George Mason one was worse for me.
1: It was the Mason one that was the worst for me. I was there. Yeah, that that was one where I was, I was counting it. I was like, yes, this is this is done. We are in the final four. Look at who's left in this final four right now. You know, it was. I think it was LSU, Florida, and. UCLA and UCLA, yeah, and none of those teams put the fear of God into anybody. I, I was sitting there like it's going to happen. There's going to be another one. I'm in college. I'm running my mouth to everybody. Yep. Yeah, that was uh yeah. I
2: was the I was the student radio guy, so I was I was courtside for it. I'm staring right now. I won't do this bad podcast or dubbed YouTube content. I'm staring at the 2006 Washington DC regional credential, and. In a weird way it haunted me. And you know what I have hanging over now? I have my ticket from last year's Final Four. It all came full circle. <laughs> I was also at the 09 Final Four. It was the only other one I went to, it was the one time they lost.
1: Yeah. So last they year they would have yeah. won that though. Like that they if it wasn't for Jerome Dyson, right?
2: I I'm the one guy that says no, only because I saw the absolute steamroller that was that Carolina team. And also it's easier for me to think that way that maybe the generational UNC team might have been a might have been too much but yeah that it's been the last year especially because they beat laranaga last year too for me personally it was ah this is nice this is this stupid grudge i can let go
1: (laughs) what's going on everybody rob Doster here from the field of 68 and i need to tell you about a partnership that we just signed with autograph a fandom company co-founded by the goat himself tom brady
5: Brady and the gun. Touchdown, yeah. Patriots!
1: I can't deal with my clogged Twitter feed anymore. Every single tweet gets three responses from some Twitter bot promoting gambling picks. I just want to read the articles, man. I just want to read stories. I just want to listen to my favorite podcast. I just want to consume the content that breaks down my favorite college basketball team, and I want to do it all in one place. Now I can with the new autograph rewarding fandom app that place exists. And here's the best part about it the more content you consume about your favorite team and the more reward points that i rack up the better my chances are going to be to score one of a kind fan merch discounted tickets to games or other awesome items and experiences on the autograph app so go download it use that referral code f68 that's f68 and get access today hey if you do maybe i'll get my buddy tom to send you a thank you note. uh, they have – I said this the other day. I think they have as good of a chance as anybody to be able to repeat since the 2007 Final Four. I didn't realize this till I looked it up. Do you know that there's – no one that has been the reigning national champ has made it past the Sweet 16 since Florida in 2007. And I think it's been since Duke in 2016 that they even made it out of the second round. They even got to the second week of the tournament. Um, I, I feel I, – you never feel good about winning a title, right? Like it just – you can never – given the nature of the the tournament, but um, hot balls. I feel like this team has as good of a chance as anybody to be able to get it done. If it happens and you are in Phoenix, what are you doing? Where's the celebration? How crazy are you going? Are we ever going to see you again? Are you just riding well, off into the sunset?
3: I, I might, that might be it. You might just have to bury me under a cacti somewhere and <laughs> uh, forget I ever existed. No, I mean, I, I don't know. It'd be amazing. I mean, I it's hard for me to even process that because it's such a, an absurd to accomplish i mean i would argue just because of the variation and the chance and all the stupidity that kind of has to happen for it to happen once never mind twice in a row i think it's the hardest thing to do in sports outside of the triple crown in horse racing you know um winning winning back-to-back national titles in college basketball but you're going through six of the best teams in the country every year in a one-off scenario where absolutely anything can happen you just have one bad night Some team catches fire, does something that they never do. We found that out many times, even recently. Um, You know, you don't have a shot. So, I mean, it's a pretty wild feeling. I mean, I think this is definitely the team that's had the best shot to repeat going back to Florida, um, which really says something. And it's something that, um, you know, this program's never accomplished. I'd be over the moon. It'd be an absolutely uh, incredible achievement for them to do that.
2: Yeah, I'm just now from you saying that I was laughing because I'm envisioning if it happens, Mr. Hotball's actually trying to debate a horse on which is more difficult winning the triple crown or (laughs) or going back to back in basketball. Like there's an actual they're on a stage, they're making their points and he's just screaming at a horse. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it feels it feels like they have an incredible shot at it. The stat you mentioned has been in the back of my mind to actually like keep my feet on the ground a little bit that this is. Despite how easy they made it look last year, this is actually really hard to win once, yet alone twice. Uh, I think the depth uh, obviously gives them a play. And also the thing we've mentioned a lot is how many different ways they have to beat teams, how many for them to lose on a night, as we've seen, like the number of things that have to go wrong. It is possible. It's not like it can't happen. We're eyes wide open that this team isn't perfect, but I, I don't think there's a team in the country where the number of things you have to get right to beat them is, is, is a longer list. I think Purdue and Houston are excellent teams, but I think with, with each of them, it's not as long a list. Like even right now, uh, the current Huskies last couple of weeks, like Alex Carabin's in a shooting slot, but they have Cam Spencer, uh, they have Steph Castle starting to show that he can at least keeps teams honest, even if they dork him, that's for you, Rob, um, that, that he can make shots, uh, you know, we've seen flashes of excellence out of Steph, uh, out of uh, Samson Johnson this year, even when Donovan gets into foul trouble. That's kind of my one concern is that scenario. But this is a team that seems, with their depth, with their different options, and with their playbook, like they've got as good of a chance as anybody. It's going to be really hard. They, they just uh, don't have a weakness.
1: Back- That's the thing. Like if you look at if you look at Houston, right, you can kind of poke holes and say, well, they're not great offensively. They rely a little too much on the offensive glass. Um, they don't really have a big wing. They play some little guards. Their big guys are aggressive and long and athletic, but they're not really like that big. You know, if you put Donovan Klingon next to Jawan Roberts, Donovan Klingon is going to have six inches on them. Um, you look at Purdue and you could very clearly circle the four spot and say, we can get up in and pressure these guards. Like there's specific weaknesses with all of these other teams. Um, Tennessee is basically a one-man show when it comes down to it. You know, uh, Arizona has Caleb Love and Kai Boswell. I don't know if you could trust them. There's nothing about this UConn team where you can point to them and say, okay, that is specifically what you have to do to be able to beat them. It's kind of like you got to do some stuff and hope that they have one of those nights where shots aren't going down, Donovan's in foul trouble, and, um, and you know, it's just it, you happen to catch them on the right day. I don't think there's a specific weakness that you could take advantage of, which is kind of crazy to think about, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think the the way that they get got, if they get got, is a guy like Connect goes nuts one night. Um, specifically, that's the sort of thing. Somebody goes like John Wallace style in 96. I still remember. I know it's Syracuse and we hate them, but like an all-time must-watch tournament run where just one guy single-handedly lifted an entire team on his back. I think that's going to have to be what happens um, in terms of beating UConn. That's why I have Tennessee as one of the teams I'm s- most scared about, per se, just because – of what Dalton is and what he can do. But yeah, these other teams, like when I, if the hypothetical Purdue matchup happens, I think they're an elite top end team. But just, I think physically when the two teams step on the court, it's going to be apparent very quickly that UConn at the guard spot has about a half foot on all of the Purdue guards who I think are really good, but they're not very big. And one of the things that Dan has done to get the program to this point, stemming back to the New Mexico State loss, is he just decided he's never going to have like a small team at any position ever again. Love RJ Cole. He was great. But he had a height issue compared to big-time guards once you get into the, into the Big East and into the tournament. And this UConn team, their size at every position, I don't know about you, hot Balls. It's what I think makes them such a difficult matchup.
3: Yeah, and the fact that you have five guys that are capable of scoring 20 points on a night. You know, you guys alluded to it before. Like, you just can't really leave anybody alone. Um, you, you might be able to take one guy, you, you know, maybe uh, are able to take one card off the table but you got four others that you got to worry about and you're going to have a mismatch somewhere and that guy's going to score 20 and that's probably going to be enough. And if they, you know, UConn gets anything, I mean, if Sandiara is scoring 10 points a game off the bench, you're done, you're toast. So, you know, I think that's the thing with this team and they just kind of grind teams down. I mean, you talked about this on your show, Rob, where, you know, last year, you know, there was kind of that just that avalanche that would come out of nowhere, right? You just kind of just wait for it. Might happen in the first half, might happen in the second half, but it was like the other team was, you know, holding a grenade with the pins pulled. It was just a matter of when it was going to go off. This year, they just kind of wear teams down. I mean, you look at the at the Villanova game the other night, and, you know, like you pointed out, they Villanova matches up okay with us uh, pretty much across the board. They did a good job blowing up a lot of our, you know, um, high-screening action early on, uh, switching, but, you know, you've got to keep doing it over the course of 40 minutes. And you just saw them get slower and slower and slower and slower. And it's not just the physicality of it and having to deal with those, you know, oversized guards, but you know, Dan throws a lot of crap at teams. So there's also, you know, uh, having to have the mental acuity of being able to catch up and keep up um, with all the false actions and the different variations they have on 6,000 different plays. So it's just. And the never
1: ending running around screens that you have to do. Like I just, they, it looks so fucking miserable to try to guard them like to imagine having to chase cam spencer around screens you got this dude who probably isn't that much faster than any of us right who just yeah. keeps running and running and running and running and weaving and going through here and there's an the elevator here and it's going up a curl here and then he's run like a half mile in one half court set and all of a sudden you lose track for like one second and he gets a half inch of space and boom he bangs a three on you like
2: yeah yeah like i and
1: fucking it's the, hate that dude
2: it's the this you know stats can be can tell a lie, but they can also tell a story. The fact that UConn's like what three fortieth in the country in tempo, we know Virginia's dead last. But in no universe would you say the UConn and Virginia offenses look remotely similar. Mm-hmm. I feel like with UConn, it's they just know that sooner or later you can't do this for thirty seconds. And the the time when I first fully bought in in a way to this team to what they could be was the Kansas game when post game Bill Self goes in there and he explains he's like. I don't think people understand. If you try and man-to-man this team and not switch, it will not work. You just have to be able to switch everything. And Kansas did. And then a couple weeks later against Carolina, they tried. And for about 23 seconds, they could. And then something stupid would happen because they're college kids. They're 18 to 21. And somebody would be open. And that's the most amazing thing to me is that this UConn team can just stay this focused and this disciplined and run that many motions. Uh, It's crazy to me. The, the amount of energy that this team has.
1: Yeah, it's I don't, crazy I don't to me they things. can remember all these plays. Like, just think about being in college and having a, a playbook that's like this thick and trying yeah. to remember all of it.
3: I remember, they were talking about the playbook being leaked last summer, and like, who the hell's sitting down and going through all that? Like that—that that was something like a, a, a almost a hundred oh. pages plus. There's, I mean, there's
1: amazing. lots of like the the X's and O's. Nerds love UConn because yeah, what yeah, they run have. is just—it's so creative and it's so no one does, no one is doing what they're doing. Right. Like yeah. they are creating new stuff on the fly. And it's not all like the actions that they're running. They're, there's only so much you could do on a basketball court. Like they're not reinventing the wheel, but it's like, how do you go from this to this? How do you go from like this zoom action into this down screen? How do you end up with Tristan Newton running off of a a, a DHO? Like, it's just the way that they kind of get into their stuff. No one else is doing. So the, the creativity of it. Um, I think Luke Murray's actually a mad scientist. You know, yeah, I, know. And
3: I think, I think what a lot of what UConn does and what's been impressive with the coaching staff is they sort of run into a lot of the burning buildings that a lot of other college coaches tend to avoid. Right. Mm-hmm. And Randolph talks about it on your show all the time. Uh, Rick Pitino complains about it all the time in press conferences. The hardest thing to do is to get your guys, especially when they're younger, to read scouting reports, right, to memorize the things that you're trying to get them to do so for them to have this team that locked on on all of those things that they do you know i think that's the distinct if you want to get corny and a little cheesy about the market inefficiency in college basketball is really being able to drill all these things into guys and it's just again it's it's really hard uh, again physically to keep up with this team for 40 minutes let alone mentally you know being able to pick up on on all the actions that they run and i just think you know, um, uh, over and over and over, we've just seen teams sort of get ground down. Again, it's not the explosion that last year's team was, um, but it's much, much more like a vice grip, you know, over a period of time. And, you know, I remember watching the St. John's game. It had the same effect watching the Villanova game where you're like, man, it seems a little nip and tuck. seems a little too close for comfort. You look up a minute later, they go from up four, up five. You look up a minute later, now they're up six or seven. Look up a minute later, they're up eight or nine. You look up a minute later, we're swimming right around the under five, and you're like, holy crap, they're up 11, 12. They're in cruise control now. you know. And so it's been um, really kind of interesting to see how this team skins the cat a little bit differently from last year's team, uh, but it's just effect- just as effective. Yeah, yeah the number
2: remember- blows my mind the most about it is sorry, with all that time they take and all those motions, they don't get shot clock violations. Like they all, all five guys, they've got the internal clock at any time on the floor which is nuts given how long they run sets to have everybody have that awareness to have nobody checked out or lost. And this is the part that gets clipped when it happens at some point. So Rob, apologies, but yeah, it's amazing to me how they can just all be on the same page. Dan talked about on game day. They do our after creating, like an hour and a half film film room. Like everybody's that invested. The team or almost everyone's won a title and has in most cases, nothing to prove for them to be this invested in this driven to doing the things they have to do to be this way is the thing that impresses me the most that there is just no settling for less no well we won it last year with any of these guys it's you think human nature it would creep in with 18 to 21 year olds but they all want it i feel like they all want it just as bad as they did a year ago when they hadn't won anything all right so
1: real quick real quick i I do just want to tell the story um of last year's final four when uh when Randolph Childress just completely owned you guys yeah, uh, in a, a discussion and an argument and and, and a debate, um, it was at the uh, it was at McIntyre's in, uh, in yes. Houston, Texas, and it was um, our man Randolph Childress, who I think is going to be jumping in here in a second. Is that him? Randolph?
5: What's up, bro? Uh,
4: these uh, I, got, I heard I you jumping. I heard you jumping on the here. Zoom
5: without me, man. I heard you jumping on the Zoom without me. I heard my name was was being mentioned or something. I had to come check it out. Who who you working with right now? Who's out there?
1: <laughs> we got oh, you know who Manier. it is. Right they, said that, uh, uh, they said that uh, oh, they okay. won the argument with you okay. last year. They said okay. that they owned you. They won the debate in the Nah last year.
5: Nah. All I know is I have footage of somebody going home sleep, <laughs> just sleep. Yeah. I mean, snoring. <laughs> Great I, night. I'm just. Campions get their sleep
2: they talk about it all the time you got to get your eight hours rob it was like standing next to a jet engine with these two it was (laughs) i was just as someone who can't shut up and argues i was in awe of these two going back and forth screaming at 500 decibels about the acc mostly that ACC Big East just it was incredible it was just back and forth it was like watching the six overtime game it's like when are these two gonna be done
5: I, I can't tell you wait. what when I woke up the next day after that week <laughs> I was so damn hoarse I was like man I don't even want to talk I was like I ain't got nothing to say don't nobody <laughs> ask me no questions I ain't saying nothing but like, you, like
3: a a, you look like a sad sad man in the post-game recap after we won the national championship. Oh, <laughs> I was. That's the was. saddest I've ever seen you look. I've never seen a guy that obviously doesn't want to be there worse than you didn't want to be there. I, I didn't.
5: I, show. As much as I'm okay with UConn winning, I, I, I got it. Rob was just unbearable at the time. Now that they won, <laughs> he won't be as bad. That, but Rob was – I couldn't deal with Rob. Rob Rob had wore me out. and y'all, y'all finished off with what was left of me. After that, that night,
2: if we get you two in the desert again, like Rob, I'm going to need that shovel. Like, I don't even know. Well, here, right, here's the you, thing.
1: I was be thinking ready. about it, right? We're not even going to have to do our show that night. What we'll do is we'll just give Randolph a mic. We'll give hot balls a mic. We'll put a camera on them. We'll set them up for three hours and everyone else can go hit the bar. And we you can, can going get us a personal
5: out. bartender. And there just you go. We need a bartender. Yeah. yeah. Listen, we need a bartender <laughs> and some, some, some food to come in and then everybody else will follow through. We, we'll take care of the rest. <laughs>
3: Um, And, hey, by the way, I just wanted to recap uh, just to come back to that conversation. Was I right or was I right about the Atlantic Coast Conference? No. I was right. No. No. I was so right.
1: Hey, hot balls, ask him him what seed he thinks Wake Forest is going to get this year.
5: I don't know. We'll see. I ain't asking him nothing, even though I'm sick right now. I'd love
3: for you guys to get a nine seed in the East region. Oh, <laughs> oh, now i tell you what, if that happens, I'd love to may- drag you up to New York for a we, second. You, straight. Who we, are you going
2: to root for Randolph? Because folks might not realize you have some some investment okay. here.
5: Listen, I'm going to be sitting there. It would be TV. It would be standing room only if that happens as a nice seat. If they don't screw it up. I'm. am assuming they'll get a win. They'll beat. They better beat Virginia Tech or Cle- Clemson to get in. So we'll figure out and see how that goes. All right, That's RC, get you. out of here, man. Go right, enjoy man. the rest all of all your brother. lunch. All right, enjoy buddy. your yoga
3: lessons, Randolph. you give me trouble with the boss, man. All right, brother. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Going to yoga. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that was maybe the most special thing at the final. Going to be left. stretching right.
3: Randolph out both legs. <laughs> that flexibility back right in time for the tournament
2: (laughs) no that really wasn't those two just let let me let's let's set
1: the table real quick just kind of explain the backstory of it like Randolph and Hotballs had kind of been going back and forth on Twitter for a while it was playful it was funny it was good natured it was like Big East is you kind of blue blood Big East ACC just whatever you guys are going at it and we finally after it was Sunday night at the Final Four before the national title game, we were at McIntyre's. It was after our second show. Everybody was probably like five or six drinks deep. And you and you and you and RC sat down and said, All right, we're doing this. We're gonna have this debate. And I think there were probably 20 people just kind of standing around the table and you two going at it, nonstop, button heads arguing about stuff. And this is what I remember is that I'm listening to you argue. I go to the bar, I go to get another beer, I get distracted, I talk to someone, I get dragged into like a uh A game of Papa Shot. I go back, get another drink. I'm like, oh, I wonder what Randolph and and Hotballs are doing. I walk back like an hour and a half later, and you guys are in the. No one has moved an inch. You just now have three empty glasses in front of you. And there there was more than three empty glasses. Let's
3: be honest. The one thing I do remember distinctly from that entire conversation was the waitress coming over to clean the table off and being like, "Oh my god!" And it was just, it was, it was, it was, it was.
2: And then they they. They closed the bar on that floor, Rob. So we all just went upstairs and it just resumed on a new. <laughs> At no point did it occur to anybody, maybe this, you know, maybe we'll call it a night. Maybe we'll agree to disagree. No, we're going to the second floor and we're going to finish this. And, you know, nothing was resolved. It was great. What was? I was to drive home.
3: It absolutely was resolved because I was right. Correct. <laughs> All knowing. Yeah,
2: this started as Hotball's making the argument about UConn as a blue blood, and as he's want to do immediately going right at Randolph. I think your entire school's conference isn't even real. Like just lobbing <laughs> the weapon. Like you know, proportion of response there. Uh right. yeah, no, that was wild to watch. All right. I got one more real question for you guys.
1: Um and and then we can we can get out of here. I know you guys. I don't want to keep you here. I I can literally keep you here for three hours talking about UConn. So I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it's, we're um,
2: bad at short. So yeah, thank you. The short, doesn't, you the short doesn't
1: short doesn't work here. Um, what what would qualify for you guys as a successful season this year? Right, one more win and UConn gets at least a share of a regular season championship for the first time since 2006. Um, does is that good enough? Like just getting a, a Big East regular season title if it means you don't win the Big East tournament if it means, like, you're losing the Sweet 16 or something like that. Do you need to win the Big East? Is it getting back to the Final Four? Like, what, what is a successful year this year um, in your mind? Because I I go back and forth on this. I'm still kind of basking in the glow of winning a national title again. So I, I think that, that, that Dan is playing with house money, but um, I, I know that I have different expectations in a lot of these uh, UConn
2: fan base. Yeah, I mean – he is playing with house money, but when you get to this point, you know when you're sitting at what twenty five and three, and you're a top three team in a sport where everyone agrees there's three teams and then everyone else, it's kind of hard to make the house money argument. Like it'll it will be disappointing if this doesn't go where we hope it does, but it won't be like devastating. Um, I I need him to win the Big East tournament. It's been too long. I need. To, I mean, at the very least, can you get to the title game? They haven't been back. They've had these crushing close losses on Friday every single year. And in a year where they're clearly the best team in the league and nobody would think they're the third best team at this point in the league, they got to at least get there. And I think they got to win it. They win the biggest tournament, at least making the second weekend for me. I know it's not what we want, but like to be really fair about it, that's an amazing accomplishment, especially given what you said about the history of teams who try and go back to back. If they don't win the biggest tournament, I really... Like, is it weird to say they need to make a final four? Uh, it's greedy, but if we're gonna be a blue blood, let's be let's be greedy, right? So that's that's kind of where I, I am at it. But you know, and for anyone who thinks that's underselling, I'll ask you when your heart is in your throat at the under four of the of the second NCAA tournament game, where we're all living and dying. What would you sign up for? Because if that feels like I'm not asking for enough, it will feel like it then when we're all dying on the floor to just get past uh, Wake Forest.
3: Yeah, I would say, you know, I, it's when you have a chance to win a national championship, the national championship's a goal, you know, and um, now, you know, there's the rational side of me too. I mean, I've I've always been, you know, as, as crazy as I am online, I think, you know, on our show, um, I've always been a guy that's a little pumped the brakes, you know, when it comes to things like the NCAA tournament, you know, not having expectations that are unrealistic, you know, through the moon. Um, I think anytime any team gets to the second weekend, it's a, it's more or less a, a, a successful season. Um, but getting through those games, especially that second weekend, you know, I think that'll lead eight, that sweet 16 of the two toughest rounds. Um, and there's just so much random stuff that can happen once you get to that point in the tournament, um, you know, so, you know, kind of rational hot ball says, you know, the second weekend, I'm not jumping off a bridge. Uh, But we got a chance to win the second national championship. These things don't come by often, right? So I want to see us do it. I want to see us get to the final four. And I also don't want to say that because I don't want Coach to show up at my doorstep. So, you know, I think that's what they constitute as a successful season this year. So I want to see that. Would love to see them uh, win the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden as well. Um, for them, hopefully, we can wrap up a uh, you know, uh, at least a share of the big east regular season championship. We haven't
2: won one of those since 06. Yeah, and they haven't won one outright this century, which is insane. I yeah. really, I'm that greedy. I want that. I want them to be the sole big east regular season champ because Look, it's been you, too long. You
1: beat, you beat Seton Hall at home, you beat Providence on the road, which are two things that let's be honest, they should be doing, and you got that. Um, I'm kind of at the point where I, I think. As long as you win one thing, Big East regular season, Big East tournament, national championship, I think that you need to you can call that a successful season. You're hanging up some kind of banner somewhere, right? You're getting some kind of trophy, cutting down some kind of nets. Um, I think that inside that locker room, if they don't win all three, the Big East regular season, the Big East tournament and the national title, that the season is an utter disappointment. And everybody needs to just go home and rethink what they're doing with their lives because they should not be doing this sport. Uh, I think that's the way that they are riled uh they are they are um wired but i also and and I, I say this all the time i'm so damn appreciative of the fact that uconn is back in a position where this is what we're talking about right it's yeah. not like oh god we got to go on the road and play east carolina and play south florida like do i care about the american conference tournament at this point like you're it's back where uh, UConn is like the the thing that you wake up thinking about, the thing you go to sleep thinking about, and the thing that you just can't wait for once uh, April hits, right? I just I'm I'm very appreciative that we are back in a place where uh, it can dominate our lives in a positive way.
2: Yeah, and the fact that the difference now is we're not talking about UConn getting in the tournament, we're talking about seeds. Like if you look at UConn mm-hmm. seed history, we're talking about a one seed probably this year, a you know a four seed last year, and that's where you see the progression. That's not about are we going to make it? It's not, it's now it's about how far are we going to go? And that's the biggest thing they've, that Dan and his staff have brought back to this is that they are again at the very top table of the sport.
3: Mm-hmm. What I, what I've always, what I love about UConn basketball, I think above all else. And we always talk about like blue bloods and, and all that stuff. Like North Carolina ostensibly has been more or less the same thing for 60 years, the same flavor, same thing with Kansas, the same kind of flavor um, Duke, you know, uh, same kind of thing. UConn is like this wild multi-act play, right. That has played out over, you know, 40 year period of time, um, with all distinctly different versions of itself, sometimes within the same regime as a coach, right? Like I always kind of look at that late eighties, early nineties emergence very differently from the way I look at that late 90s to early 2000s transcendence into becoming a bona fide national title with contender with real legitimate credentials. And then obviously, you have sort of that downslope into the American Athletic Conference, you know, through the season where we were banned from postseason play. Um, and I think going through that makes you appreciate this so much more than I would have if they had not gone through that. And I think it's an important lesson for college basketball fans to understand is that how hard this is to do. I make this, I've made this point so many times on Spaces, but like imagine, you know, I tell it the same way all the time, but imagine going into a bar in 1990 and banging on it, standing up and saying, hey guys, in the next 30 to 40 years, Duke and UConn are gonna win 10 national championships Indiana is only going to go to two more Final Fours. UCLA is only going to go to three more Final Fours and only win one national championship. And UNLV will be so far off the map that you won't even be able to find them. Like you would have gotten laughed out of there, you know. And so sustained success is so difficult for us to do it to varying degrees over three coaching staffs with three completely unique flavors and feels about them and their styles of play. Um, And to have it all sort of be this genesis with Dan now, um, who's just such a perfect fit for the area, for the fan base. And it's just a reflection of them, like all just sort of balled up into this one man, you know, Um, to kind of see that come into fruition. And then for it to be not just him and the intensity of getting that crowd back, but like how aesthetically pleasing it is to watch. Um, I'm just really focused right now on enjoying it. Um, for however long it, it lasts. Dan, whether you know he gets tempted by the NBA um or retires, he's not coaching late. You know, he said, hey man, you know, I'm not coaching way into my 60s. So I'm enjoying this while we have it. I hope UConn fans certainly do too. This is the best part of it, you know, and it's that shared experience that you get through this. I've made so many friends over the last however many years, and have had so many great experiences, largely tethered and tied to this team. Um, you know, I know I'm not the only one that's had that, but it's just an amazing time to be a UConn fan right now, and I'm just, you know, enjoying everything as much as I possibly can.
1: Very well said. Um, make sure you guys go and follow. It's at Hurley Mania. It's at Mr. Hotballs. That is spelled out M-I-S-T-E-R, not uh, not just M-R. Period. He is that fancy spells out, Mister. Gentlemen, appreciate you being here. Make sure you guys tune into the spaces. It is the best place to get is the reaction on everything you come. See you guys again next week.
4: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.